Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Sure you want what God has for you today. All right. All right. He's going to challenge you now. This is real church. This is what it's supposed to be like. Listen, a lot of people, you know, I noticed this during this, we're on day 383 or 363, what is it? See, what is it, 15 plus, is it 383? 383 days to 15 days to flatten the curve. That's where we're at now. Congratulations. I don't know what you're doing to celebrate today. I know what I will be doing, just copious amounts of wrongly prepared meat and pizza. But anyway, you decide what you want to do to celebrate day 383. I kind of celebrate that every day, just like that. Exact same thing every day. But I've noticed something since we began to celebrate these anniversaries. I've seen a lot of people come from churches, and you know what they say to me is this, or they say this to my wife. Not everybody talks to me, but everybody talks to Hope. (laughs) Even though I'm telling you right now, she's way worse than I am. You're better off talking to me. (laughs) But anyway, that's for another day. But what a lot of people have discovered over a period of time is that they've been going to a church that doesn't preach the gospel, that doesn't preach the Bible. And they come back in, they're like, wow, this sounds familiar to me. Because they got saved at a church that preached the gospel in 19-whatever or 2000-and-whatever. And then what happened was is that they went to the church that was available to them instead of the church that they should have been praying over. You may have to drive. These are desperate times, and desperate times call for def- desperate measures. Amen. You may have to drive. I, I can flat out tell you, and everybody in here has probably already told, you have already hear, heard me say this, but you know, I wouldn't, there would be absolutely no hesitation for me. I will never go to a COVID caving church, ever, Amen. ever, unless there's been a public repentance by the leadership of the church that they ever closed. I would never go. I would never step foot in one of their Bible studies. Right. Now, if I had to go because there's somebody who's having a funeral there, there's already, it's already a funeral anyway. Might as well just go along with the Spirit. <laughs> but I would never step foot in that church. I wouldn't do it. That's right. There's no way. They have no interest in it because, you see, I go where the power is. I go where the word of God is, and the word of God is what brings the power. But a lot, don't listen, I'm just telling you, don't let convenience steal things from you. Just because the church is the closest to you doesn't mean it's the one that you're supposed to go to. You probably heard Jeff tell you this before, Jeff Tomas. He's on our leadership board. He wanted to go to the church that was right down the road from him. I won't name it. It's one of the refugee camps for those lost out of Foundation Church. Those that are crossing the border from Foundation Church. It's a refugee camp down there for those who don't want to hear the Bible. Jeff actually put it this way. I felt like somebody robbed me when I went in there. You should recognize that. Conviction is not robbing you. Edification, which means to build you up, is not robbing you. You need to go into a church where you have a little bit of butterflies or maybe a lot of butterflies in your belly when you walk into the room. Amen. I remember that's how it was when I first got saved. I got saved out of the Catholic Church and I started going to Venice Assembly of God. Catholic to Assembly of God. 
We sang that song like majesty was wild. Wild, what is that? That's a wild song. We don't sing those songs in the Catholic Church. And what are these people doing speaking Spanish all around me? Hablo Espanol, I don't know what you're talking about. It scared me, but I had to go back. I want to be scared. So like whenever I go into the river church, who knows what that maniac's going to do? Who knows? I like that. I like it. Because I want to be challenged. I'm not, I'm not here to be anesthetized. I'm not here to be put to sleep. I'm not here to be told that I'm okay when I'm not in specific areas of my life or on the whole. I'm not okay with that. I don't have a desire. None of this has anything to do with the message. This is all free. Absolutely free. The offering jars in the back. Feel free to give an extra offering if you want, but this is actually all for free. We're taking the attack to them in this message series. And I want to tell you this morning that words matter. Words absolutely matter. If you don't want it, don't speak it. How many of you let everything out of your brain? Comes right out of your mouth. How many of you actually feel the need? You have a compulsion in your life that everybody needs to hear what I'm thinking. Just admit it out loud. Your wife, your husband already knows. That you have to vent every last synapsis firing of your brain out for the world to see and hear. Is that you? If you don't want it, don't speak it. If you do want it, speak it out loud to God, to yourself. You've got to testify. Psalm 33, 6 says this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Everybody hear that? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Let's look deeper. Colossians chapter 1, 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Listen, the firstborn over, over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Who is this him? He is the, invi- is the image of God. By him, by him, all things were created. All things were created through him and through him and for him. Who's the him? Do you ever think of Jesus in the book of Genesis? You should. Do you realize that everything that was created, man, woman, earth, was Christ, was, born, was done through the word. You gotta go deep now with me. Jesus Christ is the word. There is no delineation between him and this book. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. 1 John 1, 1. 1 John 5, 7. 1 John 1, 1. And John 1, 1. Take the first off the 1, 1. Get a lot of 1s in there. (laughs) But I want you to see that through Jesus, through the Word, everything was created. Through a word, Jesus himself is a word. Jesus himself is a testimony. 
You're like, how can I fathom this? She can't. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, his ways, his thoughts are above ours. You're not going to comprehend it until you see it. And even when you do, I don't know if we'll all comprehend it completely. But by the word of God, all things were created. And that word is Jesus, and you are in his creation covenant. So you speak words, what happens? Creation begins. You've been given all things. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. You've been given all spiritual giftings. You have the ability to create through your words because of his power. Don't worry. Oh, Tom, don't equate me with God. I'm not. I said through his power, not your own. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We will abide by that principle. That is absolutely true. But once you are in him, that means you can do all things. All things are possible. All things are supposed to happen. Words are God's means of creation. He used the word to create all things. Words are a big deal. How many of you don't think they are? Don't say amen. I'll save you. They're not really a big deal. You know, you just say whatever you want. Doesn't really matter. Let's look. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 37. The first part of the verse you hear me preach all the time, but not the second part. Either make the tree good or make the tree bad. Have you ever tied that into your words? The tree is known by its fruit. You're probably thinking of just production. It also has a lot to do with your mouth. Listen to this. Either make the tree good or, or its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Verse 34, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, verse 35, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. Now, what we've heard so far is, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, how many people have you heard? I've heard Christian parents testify to this a million times. Their son, their daughter is living with somebody, has a horrible mouth, is not remotely close to being sanctified or saved, and they say he has a good heart, though. No, Jeremiah 17, 9 says exactly the opposite. The human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You can't be right with God and have cuss words and vile things coming out of your mouth. I need to preach more about cussing. We'll get to that here today. I'm running into a lot of Christian cussers lately. I'll get on to that in a minute. I'm trying to stay on track. But I say to you, Jesus said, that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Whoops. Every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. What is this that you speak of? I don't hear this in my latte sucking church. That's correct. This is the Bible and it does not change. For I am the Lord, I change not. Malachi 3, 6. Jesus Christ, the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Hebrews 13, 8. This has never changed. Every vile, 
blasphemous heresy that's preached from the pulpit during this COVID time, that pastor will give an account of every one of those idle words. Well, we're being good neighbors and community partners, so we closed down the church just like the uh, local strip club. You're equating the body of Christ. You're being a community partner with the local strip club and McDonald's. McDonald's didn't even close. Their drive-thru was open, just like your drive-thru church. Everybody pull up to the food pantry. You know, everybody in the church is unemployed except for the pastor. Let's, let's feed everybody. Let's feed the hunger that we caused by capitulating to Anthony Fauci. Every one of those idle words, there will be an account on the day of judgment. We need to think about that. That's why we're warned. I'll get to this verse in a minute. But Ecclesiastes 5.2, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. You're warned. For by your words, verse 37, you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Important? Well, I just like to vent. You know, you got to get it out. This isn't psychology. This is the Bible. Psychology is a lie. The Bible is what's real. You'll feel better if you keep your mouth shut. In law enforcement, I've seen more people talk themselves into being arrested than not. <laughs> you know, if you just keep your mouth shut and stand over there, everybody's going to, oh, I'm going to leave here and nobody's going to jail. You know, often that happens, especially when alcohol gets involved. I'm going to talk about that today, too. I hope I get to all of it. If, you, if I don't get to it, I'll get to it in the second service. You need to watch it. So let's look, Romans chapter 10, verse 10. I call this the if you say section. Romans 10, 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Words are important. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The next verse says, if you claim to be without sin, you make him out to be a liar and the word is not in you. And in churches today, sin's not even, doesn't even, is never even mentioned. You have altar calls without sin being mentioned. What are you being saved from? Fresh starts and new beginnings. What does that even mean? We're getting you on it. You have a fresh start. And once you get on your fresh start, come to Growth Track 1 on the first Wednesday of every month. And we're going to get you plugged in. We know that you're still living in abominable sin. And you're going to go straight to hell. But at least you're on the growth track. None of Growth tracks and fresh starts and new beginnings mean nothing to God. Not a thing. They're just impressive for a career pastor whose marks and his merit are numbers inside of his church. That's all that matters to him, they're numbers. You know how much numbers mean to me? Nothing. What matters to me is I pray, I ask God, what would you have me preach this week, Lord? That's what matters. I Listen, I love when people are here. 
But it would change nothing if you weren't. You know what? I want you. I don't need you. Want is a far more passionate feeling. It's a much more passionate desire than need. Matthew 21, 21, and 22. Assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say, if you say to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. But you're going to have to say things. A lot of you have been taught, well, this seems contradictory, Tom, that you tell me Ecclesiastes 5.2, which says, let my words be few, and now you're telling me to speak. Which one is it, Tom? Here, it's very easy. You ready? You're not going to forget this statement. You're to let stupid words be few. Stupid, stupid words be few. Not the gospel. You need to be speaking to mountains out loud. I don't care if people think you're crazy. Jesus made mud pies. Smeared it on somebody's face. And you're worried about being weird? Jesus told people, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're afraid about being, and most of his disciples, that's John 6, 53 through 67. Most of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. After a little drinking of blood and eating of my flesh, they're like, we're done. This is a hard saying, who can receive it? We're done. Thank you for the miracle. See you in hell. That's the truth. Many of, it didn't say many of the people following him from town to town. It said many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. There you go, Calvinist. Whoops. You're going to have to speak it to the mountain. Well, I like to just meditate. Take meditation. (laughs) And being quiet. You're going to need to speak. When did Jesus quietly meditate? Where is that exactly? You got to speak to that mountain. You want to, you got to, listen, some of us, we are so, we think, we think that we're free, but we're Pharisaic. We think we're free, but we're actually Pharisees. We're nothing, we're nothing different than the Catholic church. You got to activate, well, you know, I just, I believe in being humble. That's not humble. That's actually idolatrous. If you don't follow the gospel of Jesus and how the gospel tells you to do things, you're worshiping an idol. You've got to go to the mountain and say, be removed and be cast into the sea. You're going to have to take action. Luke chapter 17, 5 and 6, and the apostles said to the Lord, this is what Christians always do. Lord, I I just need more faith. Increase our faith, they said. Jesus said to them, if you have faith as a mustard seed, in other words, what he's saying is, don't ever ask me for more faith. Romans chapter 12, verse three, every single Christian, when you got saved, received the, not a, the measure of faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So Jesus said to them in their response to give us more faith, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, 
Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will be done. That is not mythology. That's the expectation from whom much is given, much is demanded. God wants to see trees floating through the air and planted in the Gulf of Mexico by Christians in Inglewood, Florida. Quiet right there. A few amens. I thought this was all mythology. These were all just, you know, sort of lofty expectations. No, they're requirements. This is why the church has had to turn to gimmickry and giveaways. They have no power. It's too risky to preach power. As things might not happen, I don't care. I don't care. I will, I'm going for it. I don't care what my life experiences have been. I go with the word of God. Amen. Period. I expect everybody to be healed. Amen. I expect the dead to raise. I expect the blind to receive sight. Yeah. I expect to walk in power and anointing that when I walk into him, Tommy, sound haughty. I don't care. I expect that when I walk into the room, the anointing of God is with me. People start to feel conviction. People start to feel anointing. They start feeling drawn to the gospel, to the cross of Christ. That's what I expect. I will settle for nothing else ever, ever. John chapter 11, 41 through 44. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, Lazarus. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Listen to this now. Jesus said, so Jesus prays right here. Father, I thank you that you heard me. Did he need to do that? Let's look, verse 42. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this. He said it because everybody around him was religious. Gosh, if you miss, you've got to watch the second message today because I know I'm not going to get to it. You've got to watch it because I'm going to preach the second service today about long and lofty prayers. People, I'm sure, get very disappointed by me. Hey, Pastor Tom, can you come and pray? Sure, I'll pray. And I come in and I go, I bind this, I bind that, I receive that, Jesus' name, done. I know they want me to start dropping Yeshua bombs and be as thou's. I don't do any of that garbage. It's, it's religion. It's Pharisaic. No, thank you. All Jesus needed to pray was three words. He says it right here. Lazarus, come forth. That's it. He said, and I know that you, that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. It's his old prayer. It's it. Nothing else. That's Jesus. So you were given all things. You were given all of his stuff. He called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke chapter 9 verses 1 and 2. You were given all authority. That's all you need to do. Oh, hey, you know, brother so-and-so, can you come and pray for me? I've got the flu. No problem. Is it the kung flu? Because it's the kung flu. Then we need to close the church before we pray. (laughs) You simply go out. You can just pray one word. Out! There you go. Done. Will you agree with me? Yeah, I'll agree with you. Out! Done. 
But you didn't even say in Jesus' name. You already, God knows who you are. The shepherd knows, and you know his voice. He knows who you are. Out. That's all, probably be all you remember today. <laughs> Lazarus comes forth, right? Verse 44, and he had, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot and with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Well, that's really spiritual. Jesus just isn't very Christ-like. <laughs> We'd be like, hey, get him to the food pantry. Let's get Lazarus on the growth track. He's got to be on, on phase three by now. <laughs> Let's look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Let's really deep dive into this verse because it's misused. It's different than people think it is. It's only used in the negative. It's not meant to be only used in the negative. It's like with anything. Faith and works, there's both sides. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is, are dead. There's two sides to this coin right here. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now that's only used for gossips. Now, brother, tongue has the power of life and death. And gossips will die and go straight to hell, just so you know, even if they're on the prayer chain. <laughs> hey, uh, how you doing? You know, I don't want to say anything, but... Uh, Demons are all around you right now. They're speaking right through you. The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it, either way, will eat its fruit. Let's break it down. The tongue has the power of life. Remember what? Remember Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He created through the word, Jesus, all life. The tongue has that power. If you love it, if that's what you speak, if you are speaking life, you are loving the tongue, but you'll reap life. Right. Are you seeing it? Yep. I'll use an example, Romans 4, 17. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were speaking life. You can love that part of that verse. You can love the tongue in that way. If you don't love it that way, then keep your mouth shut. You're better off. You know who those people are. You know who they are that in your life, they just it's better for them to keep their mouth shut. If you're going to walk into a room and you're the reality person, keep your mouth shut. I'll shut it for you. I will tell you to shut up. I've done it in Bible studies in front of 40 people. That's enough. The tongue also has the power of death. If you love that part, you'll eat its fruit. You'll eat the fruit of life because you love to speak life. Or you'll eat the fruit of death because you love to speak death. Americans are masters at speaking death. That's why we live shorter lives than third world countries. Facts. <laughs> and we, we, we actually have shorter lifespans than other first world countries. People are always mocking me about uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. 
My spirit will not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. That's after all the people who used to live eight, 900 years. Your, your day should be 120 years. You should not be feeling old at 70. You got 50 years to go. 50. And a lot, listen, I am being silly and I'm doing it on purpose and I am trying to make you laugh. But the thing is, that shouldn't be funny to you. It should be a challenge. I've got to reverse things in my life. Yes! They're burying people in Japan at 117. Whoops! You're going to settle for 70 as an American? 47 years short of grandma in Japan? Well, I don't want to live that long. There you go. You'll, you'll love its fruit. Oh, man, you know, man, once you cross that fitty barrier, oh. Yeah, just speak it. Tongue has the power of life and death. Man, the shoulder never gets better. Eat the fruit. Just grab a, just grab a whole bunch of death bananas and shove them in that pie hole. Mmm, mmm, death. Yum, yum, death. No, those things don't matter. Oh, really? What's the fruit of it? They matter. I've been in the church since 1987. I can tell you they matter. People speak themselves right to a gravestone. And you're like, well, good, they're in heaven. For me, to live as Christ and die as gain, Philippians 1.21. That's great, but here's the problem, is that God has called you to more than barely hanging on and dying. Who would want that? Who wants that sort of life? How's that for a testimony? Put that on your gravestone. Here's the Christian who barely hung on until they were dead. Oh, this is a great gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is great when you're dead. Why is nobody getting saved? Because that's not what Jesus preached. He solved their problems on earth. I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, is what David said. I'm looking forward to heaven just as much as anybody else, but I know that he has called me, and you only get one shot at this spinning rock. That's it. There's nobody unsaved in heaven. Who am I going to evangelize? Who am I going to yell at in heaven? What, what podcast am I going to have in heaven? There's no COVID up there. You ought to want to live a long life. And I know people bring up the psalm, you know, the, the four, four longs or whatever it is. I just ignore it because that's just for normal people. And the Old Testament of 80 years is normal people. You're not normal. Right. What covenant is it? The psalms were written in what covenant? The old. Where's Genesis 6-3? No. Abrahamic. Which one are we now? Abrahamic. You're welcome. I'm trying to enlighten you. Back then it was a covenant of faith. It wasn't Jesus, but it was close to Jesus. Sin was not taken into account when there was no law. Romans chapter 5, verse 13. You aware of that? The Abrahamic covenant, God wasn't taking sin into account. Abraham was justified by, and it was counted to him as, there you go. I'm like, how did that, how could that be? I don't know. Talk to Yahweh. Why don't you have a prayer life? Instead of going to the priest, there are no priests. 
I'm just like you. I'm your brother in Christ. I'm not your priest. Go ask God. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. That's it. That's where all the intercessors left the church last week. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm in the ministry of intercession. No, you're not. That's heresy. It's almost blasphemy. There's no, there's no go-between. You can be a prayer warrior and be that way and get a list of things to pray over. That's great. Be a prayer warrior. Even that's not a calling, by the way. I know this absolutely destroys people, people's religion. I get it. It needs to be destroyed because that's why you've been corralled by God away from humanity. You know, that doesn't happen. I'm in humanity all the time. Who's getting saved, though? Where's the ministry? See, people, people marvel. See, people, what's so funny is People look at me and they go, man, how can this mean guy reach thousands of people? Because I'm available to reach them. You've been corralled because you won't say the things that need to be said and you're saying things that never should be said. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. One of the strengths of my life is I am not afraid to speak what's true. Period. I can't live with myself if I don't. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, 1 Corinthians 9, 16. You have, you have to speak the things that God has called you to speak. Yeah, but if I do, you know, if mama ain't happy, the whole house ain't happy. My wife will get mad at me. Well, who cares? My husband will get mad at me. Who cares? Speak what needs to be spoken. Speak to the mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea. Maybe your husband needs to be told. Maybe nobody has ever told him he's a jerk. Come here, honey, I need to tell you something. <laughs> Sit down right here. Do you realize that you're a giant turd? I love you, and that's why I'm telling you that. I've had my wife tell me things like that. That hurt. That was like swallowing a daggum horse pill. With nothing, just dry, too. Dead to the wall, thirsty, taking flesh on the way down. Oh, man, really? I've heard her tell me that I'm worse than people that she knew that I thought were horrible. I told you, you're better off talking to me. I'll at least give you some water to wash down that pill. She won't. She'll give you crackers. Saltine crackers. You, those of you who know her know it. People run to hope in this church. It's amazing. You're better running to me. <laughs> they, people run from me and they run to hope. I'm like, you're a fool. You better come to me. <laughs> That's funny. I've seen staff members over the years, they all call hope. Like, what are you calling hope for? You told me that, that you lost this or lost that or whatever. You, you're better off telling me. Most of the time, I'll just blow it off and move on because I don't really care. Hope will make sure the lesson is learned. <laughs> School is in session. Great. <laughs> So the tongue has the power of life, the tongue has the power of death. If you love the power of death, then you're speaking it. 
Death will be your fruit. I don't mean people are going to just drop dead all around you. You'll just cause death in specific areas of your life or even the whole thing. Let's look at what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it will be better for him. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. A millstone is the size of this piano from here to the floor. It would be better if he causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Oh, really? COVID caving pastors. COVID caving clergies. COVID caving Christians. You're causing people to sin. You've closed your churches. You're, you're not preaching them, no plague shall draw near my dwelling. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. If you bind it, it's bound. If you loosen it, it's loose. You are causing people to sin. People will never come back to church because of this. <laughs> Pastors are getting by in these COVID caving churches right now because they have all those accounts set up with automatic withdrawals. You know, all the, you, know you, you set it up and you have the automatic withdrawal from your account, your tithe every month. There's people like me, you know. <laughs> I just caught a glimpse of Lynn in the back. When we worked together at the sheriff's office, I always forgot my wallet <laughs> all the time. So I just glommed on to Lynn because she never forgot her wallet. <laughs> and I started to call it our wallet. <laughs> Did you bring our wallet? <laughs> I don't know how much money I owe her. I, let's just forget about it. Let's just forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Let's pretend that never happened. But they have all these guys. So if it was me, I'd forget. Then money's being drawn out of my account every month. They're not attending church. Approximately 30% of the people actually went on the Zoom, the Zoom messages and the Zoom gatherings. 30% of churches of 10,000. But yet the pastors are surviving. They're never unemployed. I, want, I mean, ask yourself, have you heard of any pastor being unemployed during the 383 days of 15 days to flatten the curve? Have you? None. None. It's very easy to be compassionate when your bills are being paid. Well, I believe, you know, that we need to close everything down. Yeah, because you haven't lost your job yet. We in Florida were spared because we have a good governor. It's not like that. Listen, you need to understand something. It's not like that everywhere else. It's not like that hardly anywhere else. And don't say Texas. I was just in Texas. It is not. It is bound. Greg Abbott is no stalwart. He was a COVID caver himself. He got pushed in a, because you got DeSantis and you got Nome and everybody's going, well, I better follow suit or I'm not going to look conservative. How about you just be conservative out of conviction, clown show? Florida's not even free. Everywhere I go. Listen, you're, you're free not to wear a mask, but everybody's wearing them. What a bunch of idiots. Who would strap something on like that that they're not forcing you to wear? I've had to go into the hospital twice recently. And I just stick it to them. You know, the first, second time I went, they have a, a Nazi at the door. Yeah. You can't even proceed in there. I have to go visit the person. I strap something on, I strap one of those on my face. I'm like, how could anybody spend more than 12 minutes in it? As soon as I got in the room, I'm in there with a COVID patient, allegedly. I took it right off. How dare you? 
I look at me now. Look at me now. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not bowing. I am not going to worship. I'm not going to cast my kids into the fires of Moloch. I'm not going to worship at the Ezra pole of Anthony Fauci. I'm not doing it. I don't care. I'm in there with a COVID patient off with the mask. Not because of me. It, it, they don't care about me. They're worried about him. I don't care. Throw me out. I just, I, I'll never get it. I, every, everywhere I go right now, I'm like, daggum, man. 360 days in, and you're still walking in. You're, you're 31 years old, and you're walking into Home Depot with a mask on? I just want to batter you. I want to assault you. I mean, I'm like, what is the matter with you? What is it with you? Aren't you an American? Man, how easy America fell. Because the church led the way. We devalue Jesus, of which the principles of this country are founded in our declaration and in our constitution. The church just cast it aside, and the world followed suit. If the church would have stood on day one, you wouldn't see America the way that it is right now. This, this country was founded on the church of Jesus Christ and none other. And they're causing these little ones to sin. Romans 16, 17, and 18 says this. Now I urge you, brethren, note those. That, that sounds mean. Yeah, you know what? The Bible can be mean. Have you ever read the words of Jesus? I'm telling you. I know I say this all the time. I'm telling you. Most, four-letter word, most Christians would not choose Jesus if they met him in person. Jesus, can't we go to Starbucks and have a conversation and try to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling? That's <laughs> not what that verse means. Philippians 2.12, if you wanted that one. Romans 6.17-18. Romans now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. Avoid people? Yes. 1 Corinthians 5.13 says, expel the wicked man from among you. You ever done it? If your church never does that, you're going to the wrong one. You act like a fool in here, you won't be here long. You know why? Because I don't care. Bye-bye. You know, I just get, I have a standard speech ready. It's in my mind. I call it square peg round hole. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Pastor Tom. Hey, you know what? I just need to talk to you. You know, it's just not working out here. Kind of a square peg, round hole thing. You need to find a different church. What? Yeah. I've done it to, I've done it to more than one. And you're like, Tom, that's mean. You're not going to disrupt the move of the Holy Spirit in this place because, because you want to glom attention onto yourself. Bye-bye. If that's your form of worship, I'm just warning you right now. There's nobody in this room because I didn't see it this morning. If your form of worship is make everybody in the room look at me, bye-bye. I'll give you a service. That's if I'll give you a service, because normally I'll walk up to you or I'll send one of my minions up to you and say, hey. It's a Pentecostal church. We need to be free. Yeah, we need to be free to worship him, not draw attention to you. <laughs> I'm just thinking of stories right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so many people have been offended. No, it's... <laughs> hey, there's a bug. Mm, there you go. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Words of death. They're operating in it. All right, here's where we'll finish. Eight minutes to go. Everybody with me? If you want longer, come in the second service. Just hang around. Eat whatever's around. Come back. Whatever you want to do, but come back. We'll figure out a way to fit everybody in. Somehow. I'll just drop all that on Hope. Hope and Heather, make that happen. <laughs> fit everybody in here, please. <laughs> Thank you. Proverbs 16, 28. We'll finish with talking about gossip today. And a hush comes over Foundation Church. Rodney Howard Brown brings in laughter. I bring in hushes. It's my gift. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man. Now remember where we're, where we're grounded right now is Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's how you love death. A perverse man stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Just because it's the truth doesn't mean you need to say it. Man, Tom looked especially chubby today. That might be true. <laughs> but it doesn't need to be said to me or anybody else. If I come up to you and I say, hey, do I look especially chubby today? Then speak freely. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Where do you get this from, Tom? Just the Bible, Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers an offense promotes love. But he who repeats the matter separates close friends. See, gossips always think, that they're ruining the relationships of everybody else but themselves and the person they're talking to. The person you will be separated from is the person you gossip to. Watch, even if it's your parents. God, God will see to it that whatever you plant into the ground will come up. Good or bad. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man puts in the ground, it will come up. And gossip will separate close friends. Just because it's true does not mean it ever needs to be said. People look at Proverbs 17, 9. It says, he who, covers an, <clears throat> he who covers an offense promotes love. You know, I'm not supposed to cover up people's sin. That's not what it said. Covers an offense. I'm offended. If you, if you, were, if you were to, like I, I've told you before, I remember one time at Winchester and River Road when I was still a cop. I was there. I was on the side of the road. I don't know if I just had stumbled upon a crash or whatever it was. I was clearing, leaving the area. And I opened up the car door of my police car and all my stuff spilled all over the ground. And I threw a complete conniption on the side of the road for all to see. <laughs> Throwing things in my car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you saw that, what would you do? I was the pastor of this church at that time. Does that need to be repeated? No. You can come up if Aaron saw it and say, hey, Tom, you know, I saw this. Pretty disappointing. <laughs> I blew it. I sinned. You're right. Fits of rage are sin. If I don't repent of it, I'll go to hell for it. You're right. And I did. I always repent right away. I drive off. Boy, that was really good. I punched out the windshield of my own police car and had to report myself. 
It's the truth. In a fit of rage. They didn't know how easy they could break. They break really easy. I didn't really hit it that hard, I didn't think, anyway. Either I hit a lot harder than I think, or they break really easy. So think about that phone call. <laughs> hey, Sarge, Steve Burns. Hey, Lynn knows who it is. Hey, Sarge, uh, I got to go to Fleet first. That's where I keep all the spare cars. He goes, what happened? Well, I'll tell you in person. <laughs> I had to write a report about it. Imagine that, writing a report about how you punched out your own windshield. But if you saw that, what would you do? You cover it. Either you have a choice whenever you're offended. What, what's the choices? What are they? What are your choices? It's Matthew 15, 28. What's your choices? When you're offended, what should you do? You have only two options. Who do you go to? The person who offended you or cover it. It's your options. It's not tell your wife. There's things I don't tell my wife. She doesn't need to be corrupted by the people I'm offended by. Do you know what Aaron said? Aaron and I work together for hours and hours and hours every week. I've done stupid things to him and in front of him. He doesn't need to go tell Naz. Do you know what the pastor of the church did? He was mean to me today. Just cover it. And he does. I'm not making excuses for myself. I'm always trying to get better, and I'm better now. But the thing is, Aaron knows I'm better now than he knew me 10 years ago. But occasionally, there's still a, I'll run the podcast that comes out mm, live. <laughs> when he's only trying to help. So horrible. Sorry again for the third time. <laughs> finish with this. What happens? What happens to what I call corralled Christians? What happens to them? In other words, people that are speaking death, they operate in the ministry of loving. The, they love the tongue, but they love the death end of it. They're corralled off by God. They're working in the power of death. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13, it says, and besides, they learn to be idle. Listen to this now. This speaks to every person in this room. Some of you have repented, some of you haven't. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Who was that written to? Well, it's 1 Timothy 5, 13. So it's written to us. Not the lost. Of course the lost wander about from house to house. My whole neighborhood's like that. I live in a little HOA out in the middle of nowhere. There's only like 30 houses in there. And this is all people do is wander about from house to house gossiping about each other. I've seen my neighbors go over and get into an F-bomb tirade with one another because one of them went to the other and, and just had to know why they were pouring concrete. Why do you even care? You don't have anything else in life beyond looking at your neighbor pouring concrete? 
This is not, this is not written to those people. That's what God expects of those people. But when you and I are doing it, you'll be safely corralled. If you don't repent, go straight to hell for it. You will go to hell for gossiping if you do not repent. It doesn't matter what your righteous cause is. They're not win- these people are not winning Christians. I'm talking to Christians right now. They're not, winning, they're not winning people to Christ. They're talking about Christians. What kind of ministry is that, talking about Christians? How does Scripture stand on it? Finishing right here. Worship team, make your way. Where does Scripture stand here? Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Listen to where speaking death. Look, listen, look, at, look at the words that accompany speaking death. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord. One of the seven abominations of God. A man who stirs up dissensions among brothers. One of the few times you'll actually see in Scripture where it says he hates a man. Hates a man who stirs up dissensions among brothers. Do you know how many times I've heard people in this church say to me, I don't, and they don't say it anymore because I put an end to it, because from the pulpit, nobody dares anymore. That comes up to me and says, well, you know, they don't say hi to me anymore. They just don't even look me in the face. I'm like, you're 48. 48. Listen, renounce your 48-ness. Accept the fact that you're a 12-year-old girl and go ahead and sign up for LA Angels right down the road. It's right over there. Go get it. Because that's how you operate. I don't care if anybody says... (laughs) I've told you this before. If I know that you gauge our relationship based on my greeting, I'll purposely avoid greeting you. Just to teach you a lesson. The pastor doesn't say hi to me anymore. He used to say hi to me. If I find out that's how you talk, I'll never say hi to you again. Just to try to drive you out of your 12-year-old girlness. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions. Three things. It doesn't say sexual immorality, the name, all the sexual immorality. But it does break down the words of people. Discord, dissensions, factions. And Christians, do they think they, they, they rage against the Lord with impunity. Do you know what this person said? And even if you're right, you're going to go to hell for their unrighteousness because you just had to say it. You have, there you go, I know I'm done. You have two options when you have problems with people, two. And you know what the problem is? Just to be blunt and vulgar, it's because the church is full of geldings. They're full of harem eunuchs. And male and female, I know it's not possible for females, so it's symbolic for you. They do not have the courage, do not have the, the testicular fortitude to go up to somebody and deal with your problems face to face. You got a problem, go talk to them or keep your mouth shut. Those are your options. You're going to die and go to hell for the person who offends you? It's a brilliant idea. Well, God, you know, I... I thought it was just a cultural thing, you know. It's in the church, and we talk about each other like Andy Griffith. Good luck with Yahweh on that. It'll actually be good luck with Jesus because he's the one who judges you. 
Good luck with that. It won't, it will not pass. How many in this room are ready to start speaking life? Amen. You got listen, if you don't have life, then Ecclesiastes 5:2 kicks in. Let your words be few. Amen. Stay with Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on give.